Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Odd Pod podcast. What is happening? <laughs> Welcome back to、Hello、round、early. two of our Odd Pod podcast. Why is it round two? Because we already recorded the first half of this once. Right. Welcome back. Welcome back to our Odd Pod podcast, <laughs> a podcast dedicated to the odd, the macabre, and everything in between. And everything in between. And the in between is loud exclamations into the microphone. And the in between is long pauses between parts of our opening that we say every week. Every week, like I've forgotten it. <laughs> I was like, "Does she want me to say it?" Because we both know that's not true. <laughs> Welcome back once again for the third time. For the third time to our Odd Pod podcast. You know what it's about. We said it before already. <laughs> you can listen. You're probably you're listening to us right now, so you probably know already that you can find us most places. Podcaster cast link tr. ee slash oopp. OurOddPodPodcast dot com, yeah, we got a dot com. We're serious. <laughs> we're serious about this biz. If it seems like we're on a caffeine fueled, sporadic, it's true mood right now. It's because we've consumed coffee within the last twenty minutes,、I、and、know. it's also very late for some of us. And it's doing nothing. I woke up entirely too early today. Your boy is exhausted. Also, I'm fat, and we stayed at the park walking for a long time. Oh yeah, we were playing Pokemon Go. It was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong; it was a lot of fun. But then, as soon as I stopped moving, my body was like, "Hey, bro, what are you doing? Do you remember how <laughs> we're really fat and we don't do a lot? What happened to that?" We just like accidentally spent two and a half hours at the park. Anyway, walking literal miles playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> What year is this? 2016. I know. Big shout out to those other 18 people that were in that raid with us. I、though. know. Great yeah, job, guys! Round、yeah. of applause. Got a nice little. Yeah. We got a nice little um. Legendary Xerxes or whatever the fuck it's called. Don't ask me to pronounce it. Am I right? Real quick, thank you to those who have or、uh, reviewed us on iTunes. You guys are amazing. Yeah, I think we got like six whole reviews now. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, thank、six、you guys. Six more than what we started with. Hey, I appreciate every single one of them. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Tell your friends and family. Right, well, Take I... their phones. Do it for them. <laughs> they don't know what they like. It's up to you to tell them what they like. Yeah. Put us on your friends' phones. Yeah.、Anyway. Well, I really don't know how to segue into my topic today. Okay, well, I bet you it's gonna be out of this world. How did I know that was coming? <laughs> I don't know. Um. So, without any further ado, I would like to start my episode off with a question. I love it when we start episodes with questions. I know. I really like、it's, taking a page out of your book. It's my go-to move. I know. Um. So, do you believe? In aliens, yes, 
You do? It feels like a loaded question. It is a loaded question. Because I do, and I believe in like extraterrestrial life, but not necessarily like little green men who visit Earth and abduct cows and shit. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about aliens, and what instead I think I talked about was more of like where aliens come from. Space. Besides that, but like Mars. Yeah. Jupiter. Yes. Probably not Jupiter. <laughs> not that gas planet. Not a lot of life on Jupiter. Um, but um, maybe Europa. Anyway, where's Europa? It's one of Jupiter's moons. Oh, we learn something new every day. Anyway, so bear with me. <clears throat> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I feel like I went down a rabbit hole, and like now I feel like I could talk about aliens for like four years. Okay, so hold on. Let me get this straight. You made an episode yes, about aliens. Mm-hmm. It was hard to focus because there's so much information. Right. So you went down a rabbit hole and you just kind of spiral in a circle until we get to the end. Exactly. Are you me? Am I you? First of all, you're talking about aliens. Surprise. I know. I don't expect the alien stuff to come from your mouth. Was I abducted? Maybe. Are you a pod people? Are you a pod people? You have to tell me if you're a pod people because it's entrapment if you don't tell me. <laughs> Alien entrapment. All right. Well, let's let's move on. Okay. All right. So one quick glance at an article that I skimmed off of a Google search would lead me to believe that one in five Americans believe that aliens have visited Earth. That's a lot. Yes. In a 1997 CNN poll... Mm-hmm. It revealed that a majority of people interviewed believed that aliens had indeed visited Earth and that aliens had landed in Roswell. Whoa. Roswell being Roswell, New Mexico. Roswell, New Mexico. Right. Um, but all that... Oh, sorry. Um, that aliens had landed in Roswell and that all the relevant information was being kept secret by the U.S. government. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do we think more people... Or less people believe that aliens have visited Earth because CNN's fake news. Didn't think about that too much. <laughs> um, and we're trying to broaden our audience a little bit. Yeah, we're pandering. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm no, I see. Kidding. I see what you're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Speaking of fake news, um, speaking about our government, even our presidents have had something to say about aliens. What? Um, when the past president, Donald Trump, was asked if he would consider releasing more information about the Roswell incident, he said, I won't talk to you to you about what I know about it, but it's very interesting. It sounds about like a typical response. Um, and that old orange turnip wasn't the only one talking about aliens. Uh, Bill Clinton reported that his administration had investigated the incident at Roswell, saying when the Roswell thing came up during his term, because like, things were happening uh-huh um i knew we'd get a gazillion letters so i had all the roswell papers reviewed and everything and he was like it was really distracting me from using my position of power to take advantage of women yeah <laughs> <laughs> see guys we can do both sides we can play both sides <laughs> um and then obama would add to that saying i gotta tell you it's a little disappointing People always ask me about Roswell and the aliens and UFOs, and it turns out that stuff going on that's top secret isn't nearly as exciting as you expect. In this day and age, it's not as top secret as you'd think, which I think is just a long-winded, 
a long-winded way of saying that somewhere out there on the internet it's the truth right <laughs> the truth you could say the truth is out there the truth is out there wee 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 so, so somebody knows <laughs> somebody knows somebody knows like it's out there yeah it's out there it's on like a windows 95 floppy disk yeah the secrets this to the is... universe are on a floppy disk yeah this is proof some people might I got not the even... proof of the aliens. They're like, what the hell's a floppy disk? I'm pretty disc? sure I know people who don't know what floppy disks are. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to ask Kate if she knows what a floppy disk is. <laughs> Sorry, Kate is our dog sitter. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, with aliens increasing in popularity when I was growing up, it's safe to say the world saw an increasingly, er increasingly elaborate accounts of alien crash landings and government cover-ups. But I think the most popular alien story that's out there is currently that of Roswell and Area 51, which up until very recently, I learned, are not in the same place. Yes. I think Roswell is like the first. Yes. Well, technically, the first of like our modern time. Right. Because we had an episode where people saw weird shit in like the 1800s, if you remember. Yeah, so like in modern-isk day America, if yeah. you want to call it the 40s modern. Um, I would call it the modern era, yeah. Era. Um, so I kind of really quickly want to talk about Area 51 because it's not as exciting, but then like backtrack to Roswell. Okay. If that's okay Area with 51's you. Area 51's not as exciting? Not really. Not to me. Well, it's at least one more exciting than Area 50 and one less exciting than Area 52. Well, we are going to touch on that, actually. Are we actually going to touch on that? We are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the secret, secret, secret Area 53. <laughs> Let's not get started on Area 55, okay? Yeah. yeah that's where... Whoo, Extra dimensional. Reptoids. You want to talk about some timey-wimey bullshit? Yeah. That's where it's at. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. So, the first thing you need to know about Area 51 is that it's big. How big is it? It's roughly the size of Connecticut. Oh. That's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's located about 120 miles northwest of Las Vegas. Area 51 is contained within the Air Force-operated Nevada Test and Training Range. That's where they tested nuclear missiles, right? This is exactly where they tested nuclear missiles. Wow. Essentially, it's just a huge government-controlled piece of land that is roughly the size of Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut. Thank you for making me jump ahead in my notes. You're welcome. Okay. Other than Area 51... There's not a whole lot out there, and that includes cell reception. Really? Even Verizon? Even Verizon. Even T-Mobile with the largest nationwide coverage? Hashtag not spots. Hashtag not spots. Hey, T-Mobile, if you're listening. In fact, I'm paying you. We, yeah, yeah. In fact, we're paying <laughs> them, yes. Um. So... In 1954, when President Dwight Eisenhower asked for a secret location in which to start a high-altitude altitude reconnaissance program, the two CIA agents that were in charge of the request found the perfect spot in the center of a dry lake bed in the middle of Nevada that just so happened to be located in an already classified facility where the government was exploding nuclear weapons. Whoa, that's fucking convenient. That was also a fucking long... That was a sentence. very long sentence. Woo. Woo. Gotta put more punctuations in there. I know. Um, it wasn't long after that before a mix of engineers, spies, and uniformed military turned the facility into the birthplace of overhead espionage for the CIA. 
Whoa. I didn't make up that sentence. Some woman or... Some woman. Some woman slash she, they, him, neither, neither, or both, named Annie Jacobson, who wrote the book Area 51, An Uncensored History of America's Top Secret Military Base. Oh. Just wanted to throw that out there because, you know, that was a fantastic oh, okay. description. <laughs> yeah, okay. Given Annie props. Yeah. Props, That's Annie. a bit one to probably... assume Annie's gender. Is she dead, you think? They, are they dead? I didn't look. I don't know when the book was written. I also don't know when the book was written. I'm just going to assume they're dead. I don't know why, but it makes me feel better. All authors are dead. All authors are dead. Yeah, so. As soon as you write a book. You're dead. You're dead. And then the sequel comes out. And they found it in your diary. Yeah, I don't know. So if you're an author, sorry for your loss of yourself. We appreciate your. Contributions. (laughs) To society. (laughs) So. How it got its name, Area 51, is unclear from what I can tell. Okay. Um, It is believed to be from an an Atomic Energy Commission numbering grid, although Area 51 is not a part of the system. However, it is adjacent to an Area 15. Oh, really? Yep. Maybe they just looked at it in the mirror. That's how we name most things. Yeah, we look at them in the mirror, and whatever it says backwards, we're like, Alabama! (laughs) Instead of like... Amabella or whatever. Amabella. Amabella. I don't know what Alabama is backwards. Anyway. So, though the name Area 51 was used in a CIA document from the Vietnam War one singular time. Really? Yes. Which a was CIA the- documentary? Is that what you said? Yes. Was it a, CIA, a documentary about the CIA or a documentary by the CIA? That is a great question. Probably about. That I don't have the answer to. I don't think this yet. You know what, guys? You know what really would assi- would aid in our espionage? If we just release a documentary about ourselves. Right. So, that would lead me to believe that it's just a classic mistake of a typo that stuck. Okay. Um, but according to the CIA, the correct name for the facility are Homie Airport and Groom Lake. <laughs> Homie Airport. I might be saying that wrong, but it's H-O-M-E-Y, Homie Sounds but like homie to me. I did read, <laughs> I did read somewhere that it does have the nickname of Dreamland and Paradise Ranch, but that also kind of makes me feel like when you try to give yourself your own nickname. Yeah. And it's super cringy. Yeah, like Billy. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Just kidding. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have examples that were? You look like you wanted to say something, and then you stopped yourself because you were like. I wanted to come up with an example, but then I just oh, okay. okay, cool. I, just, I, I was going to say Zach Attack, but then I was like, no. Then somebody who calls themselves Zach Attacks listen, they're like, oh, man. Oh, man. It's a cool, it's a cool nickname. Yeah, so, but you get the idea. Yeah. Call me Mad Rabbit. Call me Peppermint call Pepper Butterscotch. Man? Peppermint Butterscotch. <laughs> My so. friends call me Peppermint Butterscotch. <laughs> you can call me Peabuts. Anyway, okay. The United States government has provided minimal information in regards to Area 51. <laughs> Why is that funny? And now I'm just thinking about peppermint butterscotch. Anyway. Not a great flavor combination. Call me pea butts. <laughs> the area surrounding the lake is permanently off limits to both civilian and normal military air traffic. Because that's where the Loch Ness Monster lives. 
Security clearances are checked regularly, and cameras and weaponry are not permitted. Right. Right. Um, even military pilots training risk discipl disciplinary action if they stray into the exclusionary box surrounding the airspace. Wow. Um, which they would find out about because they have buried motion sensors that keeps them in the know about what's going on in the air above them. Whoa. Is this for real? As far as I know, coming from a Vox article. Okay. I mean, if it's from Vox. I mean, like. It's got to be true. It's on the internet. They're like 90% of the articles I read by, not intentionally, it's just like I click on it and it's Vox. Are we sure that I'm not you today? Maybe. Anyway. Oh, Other not than for the podcast, so I just meant in general. Oh, okay. Other than that, the CIA also encourages the myth that UFOs are flying around Area 51. Why? Because it helps keep people wondering what's going on there as more paranormal rather than what, what are the, they up to? What the super top secret odd looking high flying faster than lightning that never before seen aircraft is. Wow. It's <laughs> a lot of descriptors. Thank you. I think I still stole it off the box article. <laughs> oh, okay. Do we think they have a faster than light vehicle because faster than lightning? A little bit, same thing. A little bit slower. I don't think so. I think that's a hundred percent exactly that speed. I'm gonna let you know right now. I am a barista. Okay. Not a lightning scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I'm a barista. I know the fucking speed of lightning, <laughs> and it's slower than light. <laughs> it's at least four letters slower than light. I'm telling you. Lightning. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. You know who? We need to consult a Speed Force expert on this. Get Wally on the phone. Not Wally that you know. Wally West. Barry Allen. Keep going. Bart Allen. <laughs> I had one more in me. So, it's always been a secret about what's actually going on at Area 51. Among the other ways to minimize public knowledge, there is a secret airline that carries passengers to and from the site. No every way. Day. And security contractors known as camo dudes who wear camouflage and ride around in unmarked pickup trucks in order to try and spot people trying to enter the facility. Camo dudes. How would you like to be like a highly trained military professional and you're referred to as a camo dude? Probably like it. Yeah, bro, I'm a camo dude. Base. We do wear we wear camo and we're dudes. Oh. <laughs> Cha. <Ja>, amazing. <laughs> hey, P Butts, did you hear what they're calling us? <laughs> Basically, if you are able to enter Area 51, you're more than likely to find the next military super plane rather than an alien. Oh yeah? You seem pretty At confident. At least that's about what that. they want you to believe. Wow, 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 wow. Some less fun characters believe that Area 51 remains a place for American armed forces to develop and test the next generation of aircraft and weapons of war while out of the sight of the public. Makes sense. So, basically, what the CIA wants you to believe is that Area 51's main purpose is a place devoted to tactical air maneuvers and counterintelligence. And it's only a coincidence that it's right next to a nuclear testing site. That's probably exactly what it's for. I mean, like, what else are you going to use the space next to your nuclear testing site for? Well, the things that are commonly get mistaken for extraterrestrial UFOs. Stealth bombers, drones, decoy flares, um, weapons tests, and weird classified air stuff. 
weird classified air stuff. Which Area 51 has all of that and more. Yeah. I mean, like, what are you going to do next to a nuclear testing site? You're not going to grow crops, you know? If they were smart, they would. Is it possible that the water's off limits because it's irradiated? Well, I don't know if there is any water. You just said something about a lake. Of a dried up lake bed. Oh, okay. I don't know if there's water underneath it, but. I thought you had mentioned something about a lake earlier after the dried up lake bed because I said Nessie lived there. Oh. Nope. But that's okay. Let's move on. We can, if there's anything I know, it's that we can definitely trust 100% the CIA and the government. They're definitely not keeping any secrets from us. Nope. So. Where did all of these conspiracies start? Herbert Hoover. No. Okay. So in 18, sorry, not 18. (laughs) Back in 1802. Sorry. In 1802. In 1989, a Las Vegas news station, KLAS, interviewed this guy named Robert Lazar. Robert Lasagna. Yep. Rumors about Area 51 connections to aliens had been swirling around well before this interview, but ever since the publication... Of the 1980, the Roswell incident by Charles Berlitz and William Moore. Mm-hmm. And just like a real quick blurb about the book because we're going to talk about it later. Okay. The book examines the 1947 incident in, well, Roswell. When a mysterious object that the media dubbed a flying saucer was written off by the military as a weather balloon sparked mild and wild public interest. The book Mild ne- and wild. The book never mentions Area 51, but somehow people put two and two together and got three. And that's what happens when you get a bunch of conspiracy theorists together in the uh, 1980s. And all of a sudden, there's this cult paranoia by allegedly a complex government UFO cover-up. What if there is a complex UFO government cover-up? Well, then they would be right. I mean, it was 89. I was four. I was... Not thought of. Swimming. Ew. That was the sound of you swimming. I'm leaving. See ya. (laughs) Anyway, back to Bob Lazar. Bob Lasagna. He is considered the whistleblower, quote unquote, for the aliens in Area 51, making KLAS the first mainstream outlet to report on it. Wow. Bob Lazar believed that... the foreign air technology belonged to the aliens and that Area 51 was entirely designed to capture and reverse engineer and study alien aircrafts themselves. Oh. Enter another guy named John Lear. Okay. He was a conspiracist that started spreading odd and macabre stories about aliens being held and studied in underground camps where the government fed them abducted children and mutilated cattle. Whoa, they're eating babies, kidnapped and, babies. And mutilated cattle. Okay, Lear, what was his name? Christopher Lear? John Lear. John Lear. John Lear alleged that the facility had been built with the assistance of the aliens themselves. Wait, why would they help build a facility to keep themselves captive? Do you think they're like helping the people build a facility and then... The government was kind of like, yeah, pretty much, gotcha. Uh, Okay. Um, Here's some babies to eat. And they're like, you know what? This ain't such a bad idea. That's not a bad deal. We're going to eat babies anyway. (laughs) Shit, we crashed our spacecraft in Roswell. And now they're feeding us? Baby buffet in ages. Yeah. So 
Um, so Lear described the aliens as tall specimens, which he called the Greys. The Greys. It wasn't long after that when Lear was interviewed with K A sorry K L A S when he referred to Bob Lazar as an Area Fifty One scientist. Oh, Bobby Lasagna is a scientist. Plot twist. Bob Lazar wasn't even a scientist. In fact, allegedly. he's... Allegedly. He is listed as a... I was about to say potato. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, he's listed as a potato on the, or the 1990 census. <laughs> he is listed as a photo and film processor when going through bankruptcy. Oh. Nevertheless... When Bob Lazar appeared on the KLAS, he gave the illusion as a calm and articulate scientist that spoke of dismantling and test flying, test flying, flying saucers at Area 51. So he claimed that he did that? Yeah. Okay. What a weird... Get M. Night Shyamalan on the phone. He can unravel this. <laughs> and once the idea was put into the public's mind, it never really faded Conspiracy theories about Area 51's alien population have grown more and more elaborate. I can only imagine. And that's where I want to end talking about Area 51 because I can't really get into specifics without talking about Roswell. Without getting a visit from the MIB, am I right? Yeah, so like... Speaking of MIB, and in the vein of mentioning Will Smith every opportunity that we get on this show... Yes, I... Will Smith movie... noticed me. Hashtag Will Smith noticed me. In the movie Independence Day, they go to Area 51 where they are reverse engineering the alien aircraft to use against them. Well, shit. If you remember, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith fly the craft into the big spaceship and upload a computer virus. Mm, Jeff Goldblum. Remember that? Did you see Independence Day? Because you're awfully quiet. I did see Independence okay. Day. I was just daydreaming about Jeff Goldblum. Anyway. Hey, life finds a way. Am I right? <laughs> anyway. So that's me mentioning. I intended to, as soon as you told me what you're talking about, I was going to talk about Will Smith. Oh, good. Because we love Will Smith. And I want yeah. him to notice me. I literally, if any of you guys ever look at our Instagram page, if you look at the hashtags, <laughs> <laughs> it's always... I love you, Will Smith. <laughs> I'm just going to start adding Will Smith and, and when I post tweets about the show. Um, <laughs> One day, Will Smith will also love me. Appear on this. Will Smith, I'm going to put it out there. One day, dream. Will Smith will be on this podcast. Yeah, will Smith, <laughs> let's start this campaign right now. We're going to get Will Smith on this show. <laughs> After that, that'll be the end. That's it. Maybe. Maybe. It might be the last episode because we'll go to jail for kidnapping Will Smith. But <laughs> um, also, I just want to say, though, if there are any aliens in captivity that just happen to be tuning into our podcast, welcome to Earth. Big fans. Maybe. We'll talk. Okay. Feel free to email us at our odd email at gmail.com. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So, Roswell. 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 Well, 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 Roswell. Uh, taking it back to the 1940s. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, in the event known as the Roswell incident. Whoa. Oh, wait. Are we sure it was an event? The Roswell incident? Or was it an incident? 
Anyway, it occurred amid the flying saucer craze of 1947. Oh, I remember that. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Me too. June 26, media nationwide reported that civilian pilot Kenneth Arnold's story of seeing what he labeled as a flying saucer. With a grilled cheese sandwich on it. <laughs> the sequence of events that triggered in late June, early July wouldn't help either. William or Mac Brazil, a ranch foreman, noticed a cluster of debris on the ranch that he was working at. Okay. Um, which was about 30 miles outside of Roswell. After spotting the debris, uh, Mac reported visiting the, his nearest neighbors, some sheep ranchers um, that lived roughly eight miles away. They suggested that Mac should report the debris to authorities in Roswell. Authorities in Roswell. Yeah. So I think they were like outside city limits, but like the closest city nearby is Roswell. Okay. Maybe that's where like the county sheriff yeah, was. Yeah, something, something like that. Um, you know, like small towns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like small towns. Yeah, like we, like that little, so quaint. Anyway, uh, the ranch he worked at didn't have a telephone line, so he was not able to report his discovery until after he was tr- able to travel by truck into Roswell. Why didn't he just send an email? It was the 1940s. The internet wasn't invented until the 1980s, I think. And even then, most people didn't have it. Anyway, on or around July 6th, Mac reported the discovery to Sheriff George Wilcox in Roswell. George Wilcox called in an intelligence officer, Major uh, Jesse Marcel, who assembled a detailed visit to the ranch. At around 4 p.m., Mac, Jesse, and two others would visit the ranch and inspect the debris and transport some or all of it back into Roswell. Whoa. Give me your debris, man. It's mine. They're cleaning up his yard for him. He's like, all right, bye. Yeah, that's fine. A few days later, the issue... Sorry, they issued a press release stating that the flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time as he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse Marcel of the 509th Bomb Group Intelligence Office. Okay. Action was immediately taken and the disc was picked up at the rancher's home. It was inspected at the Roswell Army Airfield and subsequently subsequently loaned by Major Marcel to higher headquarters. Obviously, that report was immediately picked up by numerous news outlets and many rumors regarding the flying disc started. Right. As it does. As it does. As it do. Um, some sources noted that the idea of alien spacecraft hadn't quite taken hold yet and the best concern was that it was at best, the concern was that if it were a physical craft, it might be like a Soviet or a Nazi. I was going to say, communi- I don't know when in the 1940s this was. 1947. 47, so yeah. probably communism. So they were more concerned that it might even be like a Soviet or like a Nazi aircraft. Yeah. Fair. Um, somebody important in Fort Worth, Texas, ordered the object to be flown to Fort Worth. Army Airfield, where a warrant officer, Irving Newton, confirmed it to being a weather balloon and its kite, kite being the nickname for the radar reflector used to track the balloon from the ground. Okay. A weather balloon and its kite. Yes. Got it. Um, The guys in Texas sent the FBI a document that quoted a major from the 8th Air Force, the Air Force Base. Uh Uh-huh. Those guys that we mentioned. Briefly. Yeah. July 8th, 1947, that the Dick... 
the disc. They did what now? <laughs> the dick is hexagonal. Wow. The disc is hexagonal. The disc is a hexagon. Thank you. Okay, thank you. There you go. The disc is a hexagon in shape and was suspended from the balloon by a cable, which balloon was approximately 20 feet in diameter. Major Curtin further advises that the object found resembles a high-altitude weather balloon with a radar reflector, but that the telephonic conversation between the office and right field redacted um, borne out this belief. So they're probably talking about aliens. I can't get over how much I can't speak. It's okay. It's, I'm, I don't know. I'm like, I get it. I'm so, I'm so tired. On July 9th, the press reported that General Ramey had stated that a weather balloon was recovered by the RAAF personnel, which is the airfield, blah, blah, blah. Another press conference was held featuring debris, foil, rubber, wood that was said to be from the crashed object and matched the weather balloon description. Historian Robert Goldberg wrote that the intended effect was achieved. The story had died the next day. Um, the July 9th, 1947 edition of the Roswell Daily Record reported that this is kind of like a little expert from what they wrote. Okay. okay. The balloon which held it up, um, if that was how it worked, must have been 12 feet long. The rubber was smoky gray in color, scattered over an area of about 200 yards in diameter. When the debris was gathered up, the tinfoil, paper, tape, and sticks made a bundle about three feet long or seven to eight inches thick. So okay. like it wasn't very big. Um, while the rubber, <laughs> while the rubber made a bundle about eighteen or twenty inches long and eight inches thick, in all, he estimated the entire lot would have weighed maybe five pounds. Wow. There's no sign of any metal in the area which might have been used for an engine, and no signs of any propellers of any kind. Although at least one paper fin had been glued onto some of the tin foil. There's no words to be found anywhere on the instrument, although there are letters on some of the parts. Considerable scotch tape and some tapes with flowers printed on it had been used in the construction. No strings or wires were found, um, but there were some eyelets on the paper to indicate some sort of attachment may have been used. Did I hear you say there was scotch tape on it? That's what it said. Wow, okay. That's that alien ingenuity. I mean. Maybe that's where scotch tape comes from. Ooh. From aliens. It is amazing. Yeah. All right. So the consensus is that the debris was that of a military weather balloon, and the balloon had been launched from Alamogordo Army Airfield a month earlier. It had carried a radar reflector and a classified project mogul sensor for experimental monitoring of the Soviet nuclear testing. And subsequently, the Roswell incident faded from public attention for 30 years early or so. They're like, we were doing stuff against the Soviets, and people are like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's cool. We no, don't, we're we don't really like them. We're so. good with that. So, yeah. um, The incident was featured in films, TV shows, and books along with this, and so did increasingly complex conspiracy theories, hoaxes, and legends about alien bodies. Alien buddies. Bodies. Buddy bodies. My favorite Martian. Have you seen that? No. It's a buddy alien movie. Yeah. We should watch it. Anyway. Have you seen Paul? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Look at you seeing movies. In February 1978, UFO researcher Stan Friedman interviewed Jesse Marcel. The, the guy That's we the guy who said that Danny Lasagna was a scientist. No, he picked up the uh, the uh, the debris from Roswell. Oh, that was his that was his farm. No. Oh, okay. My bad. There's you. There have been so many. There's names. a lot of names. Okay. He's Continue. the one who 
came and got the debris. Okay. 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 So Stanton Friedman interviewed Jesse Marcel. Okay. The only person that is known to have accompanied the Roswell debris from where it was recovered to Fort Worth, Texas, where reporters saw materials materials that were claimed to be a part of the recovered object. On February 28th, 1980, the sensationalist tabloid, the National Enquirer, brought large-scale attention to the story. And later that year, Jesse Marcel described his participation in the 1947 press conference and an interview for a TV series. Okay. Jesse Marcel said, they wanted some comments from me, but I wasn't at liberty to do that at all. So all I could do is keep my mouth shut. And General Ramey is the one who discussed, I mean, told the newspapers, I mean, the newsman, what it was, and to forget about it. Mm-hmm. It was nothing more than a weather observation balloon. And of course, we both knew differently. Dun, dun, oh, dun. damn. Okay. Jesse would go on to give many more interviews, but in all of his statements about that incident, he always denied the presence of bodies. As you do. Always. As- if there's one thing I know, it's you always deny the presence of bodies. <laughs> um, several UFO researchers, such as Stanton Friedman and William Moore and the team of Kevin D. Uh, Randall, interviewed several hundred people who claimed to have had a connection with the event in Roswell in 1947. Mm-hmm. And their conclusions were that at least one alien spacecraft had crashed near Roswell and the government and a government cover-up of the incident had taken place. Whoa. Tell me more. In October of 1980, Jesse Marcel's story was featured in a book, The Roswell Incident. Wow, what's that about? Should I talk about it again? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, The book's narrative holds that the alien aircraft was flying over New Mexico, sorry, over the New Mexico desert observing U.S. nuclear weapons activities, but crashed after being struck by lightning, thus killing the aliens on board. And then a government cover-up duty, or duly followed. They're like flying over, like, what the fuck are they doing? Struck by lightning. Do you see what they have? Yeah, and then died. Like, these little babies, this little baby species. Crashed and died. Look at, they're using this, like, amazing energy source to blow each other up. What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, shit, lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Only to be taken out by lightning. We got to report back to the council. We don't want Earth involved in our alliance. And never heard from so imagine again. humans with like faster than light speed ships they go to another planet they find a planet and they're like oh hey there's people here that live here guess we better take them over we check them for oil check them for oil <laughs> jesus the roswell incident featured accounts of debris described by jesse as nothing made on this earth it also featured additional accounts by bill um brazil the son of the rancher who found the debris oh right along with the neighbor and the son of the newsman who did the initial interview. Wow. Um, it was suggested that the material Marcel recovered had super strength not associated with a weather balloon, which had apparently been like failed to mention for the past 30 years. Uh-huh. I believe this is where all this conspiracy started because the book introduced the connection that the debris, which was recovered by Marcel at the Foster Ranch, and that was visible in the photograph showing... Marcel posing with the debris was substituted for debris from a weather device as a part of the cover-up. Oh, so like they set it and then took another picture or they edited the picture? They swapped the debris for the picture. Okay. The book also claims that the debris covered from the ranch was not permitted a close-up inspection by the press. Mm -hmm. Um, The efforts by the military were described as being intended to discredit and counter the growing hysteria towards flying saucers. Oh. 
the author of the book claimed to have entered o- interviewed over 90 witnesses, although the testimony of only 25 appear in the book, and out of those 25, seven claim to have seen the debris. Oh, wow. We're... And out of those seven, only five have claimed to handle it. And out of those five, only four were only f- alive. <laughs> I don't know. Only one of them actually exists. Right. <laughs> Many of the alleged firsthand accounts of Roswell incident actually contained information from the Aztec New Mexico UFO incident. Okay. Um, which was a hoaxed flying saucer crash, which included stories of humanoid bodies and metal with unusual properties. Wow. So we yeah. could definitely talk all day about aliens and incidences. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1991, Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt published UFO Crash at Roswell, where they added over 100 new testimony witnesses, um, including those who reported an elaborate military cordon and debris recovery operation at the Foster Ranch, which, which included a new claim of a like a indention in the earth that extended four or five hundred feet at the ranch oh wow that's crazy yeah so, so like, something like had struck the earth yeah it seems like you'd have to fall pretty far to make that big of a crater yeah crater was the word i was looking for earlier when earlier when oh. i was writing this oh what was the word indention i they said gouge which is an actual word yeah but not in the sentence that they used it in. Right. Anyway. Gouge. A gouge in the earth. It was like they gouged it That's out. so dramatic. Yeah. Um, but if there was like a, a crater in the earth, somebody I feel like would have mentioned that 30 years ago, especially if it was four or 500 feet. True. But what if they were like, hey. It was just a tiny pebble. Skin. Don't mention this crater. And they're like. Okay. That's four or 500 feet long. Just saying like they cordoned off the area it said so like maybe no one saw it fair except you know military personnel whose career depended on not mentioning it or the farmer who they're like hey you better not fucking mention this and he's you like roger that a point so they also reported that general author uh exxon had been directly aware of the debris and that the bodies sorry directly aware of debris and bodies but general author disputed his dis depiction saying his comments had been based exclusively on secondhand rumors okay i could a cop out (laughs) i could go on and on and on about rumors like one from a mortician named glenn dennis who claimed to have knowledge about alien autopsies okay um but he proved to be an extremely unreliable witness dennis claimed to have received four or five calls from an airbase with questions about body preservation um, and inquiries about small, hermetically sealed caskets. Um, he further claimed that a local nurse told him that she had witnessed an alien autopsy. Wow. Seems weird. Yeah. It's I don't know. Vaguely. Uh, yeah, I seen it. I seen it. I seen it with my own eyes. I don't know. Probably not a very reliable narrator. <laughs> this lady or man or whoever. It seems to me that like a lot of these witnesses is a bunch of like someone they know saw it yeah it's like he said she said bullshit yeah they're all wackadoo wackadoo because everybody knows somebody who knows somebody that knows something right so the real quick about the witnesses the problem with witnesses accounts is that although hundreds of people were interviewed by various researchers 
Only, like I just said, only a few of these people claim to have seen the debris or aliens or at the most witnesses were just repeating the claims of others. Mm-hmm. One researcher said that over 300 indiv- individuals interviewed that only like 41 of them could be considered genuine. Okay. Um, and like, only one of them could be considered genuine. This is your life. I chose this. You did. (laughs) Um, And that out of those 41, 23 can only reasonably be thought to have seen physical evidence. Okay. So there's even problems with alien body witnesses. Who would have thought? Right. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thought? Many of those who have made claims were riddled with problems ranging from credibility, witnesses making false claims, multiple contradictory statements, deathbed confessions um, account from elderly or easily confused witnesses as well as all reports about alien bodies came a whole 30 something years later Mm -hmm. um, like after the fact either way the popular lore is that the greys are said to be the creatures whose flying saucer crashed near roswell in the 1947 in 1947 yep various claims of similar natures believe that the greys bodies were found among the wreckage while others believe that they survived mm-hmm. and now they live among us oh like shapeshifters yes why does it always come back to shapeshifters because it's like, like aliens a, reptiles easy cop out they live among us they breed it into our society okay i'm gonna finish this up real quick and You're then i want fin- i want to end it on like a an alien story so just hang in there with me i'm hanging in okay i'm hanging in there i'm gonna tidy this story up in like a, a nice neat little bow okay uh, okay all right all right in the roswell incident marcel stated actually this material may have looked like tinfoil and balsa wood but the resemblance ended there they took one picture of me on the floor holding up some less interesting metallic debris the stuff in that one photo was pieces of the actual stuff we found it's not a staged photo um, someone pointed out that the materials he positively identified as being part of what he recovered is the materials that skeptics and US UFO advocates agree is debris from the balloon device. The balloon device. But that's when he changed the story to say that the material that he was holding was not what he recovered. Uh-huh. Some skeptics that knew Jesse Marcel argue that he also had a history of embellishing and exaggerating. Oh. He's an exaggerator. Such as having claimed to have been a pilot and receiving the five air medals for shooting down enemy planes. Claims that were all found to be false. They believe that any involvement with the Roswell story was simply another instance of his tendency to exaggerate the truth. You know what? We talked about that in the, like, another alien conspiracy episode where we're talking about the men in black and stuff. Yeah. Um... And how the one guy that wrote the book with the other guy was a well-known like storyteller, exaggerator. Yeah. So maybe it's like a do what you will with that information, but it seems to be a theme. Now, I know we've talked a lot about alien conspiracies-esque and like what Area 51 is and its connection to Roswell. Yeah. Ish. Mm-hmm. Um. So I really just wanted to end it on like an alien encounter story. Okay, is this your own story? 
No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> um, but I did find one coming out of like a place near us. Where? Pascagoula. Pascagoula? Yeah. Mississippi? Mississippi. Wow. So. Pascagoula, Mississippi. Go on. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready to hear about the Mississippi aliens. Mississippi aliens. So it was October 11th, 1973, when Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson went fishing on the banks of the Pascagoula River in Mississippi. Pascagoula River. Go ahead. At first, when Parker saw blue lights that reflected in the water, he thought the police had come to instruct them to, like the two to leave. He's like, it's the game warden. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a big light came out of the clouds, Parker recalled. It was a blinding light. It was hard to tell with the lights so bright. It looked like it was shaped like a football, and I would say, estimating it was about 80 feet, it made very little sound, and it was just a hissing noise. Oh. Um, Parker then claimed that three legless creatures floated out of the vessel towards him. He described all three of them having mitten-shaped claws. While one was necklace and gray, the others appeared more feminine, which one of them tried to wrap its hands around Parker's neck. His natural response of fear oddly subsided. You look horrified right now. I'm just thinking like legless crab people. Legless lobster people. Legless lobster people. All month at Red Lobster. (laughs) Anyway. I think they injected us with something to calm us. I kind of went numb and just kind of went along with the program. Okay. Parker alleged that he and Hickson were taken aboard an alien vessel and experimented on. Afterward, the two terrified fishermen found themselves back on the riverbank as though as nothing had happened. Yep. They drove to Jackson County Sheriff's Office and told Captain Glenn Ryder um, and Sheriff Fred Diamond the entire story. When I got in there, they had me, Hickson told the police. There were no seats, no chains. They just moved around me. I couldn't resist them. I just floated. Felt no sensation. No sensation, no pain. They kept me in that position for a little while. Then they'd raise me up back up. Hickson chimed, sorry, Hickson claimed that a machine resembling a giant eye looked over his entire body. He said he was surrounded by an inhuman, five foot tall, monopedal being. Um, Okay, hold on. So it had one foot or one leg? They said it was just kind of like a floating. Okay, all right. Sorry, continue. You remember, like, or he's like legless. Yeah. Basically. Um, Captain Ryder did not believe the two men. Imagine that. (laughs) He stepped out of the interrogation room but left a secret recording device and running in hopes of obtaining proof that the alien stories were fabricated. But what he later heard on this recording made him think twice. Um, The recording said, Jesus Christ, God have mercy. I thought I'd been through enough of hell on this earth. But now I've got to go through something like this. But they could have, you know, I guess they well, they could have harmed us. Um, they had used, they could have done anything to us. And did the other guy say anything? He's talking to the other guy in that recording. Yeah, yeah. I just meant like that quote's from one dude. They didn't get a quote from the other guy, I guess. I don't know. All right. Just curious. Um, I just want to cry right now, added Parker. What's so damn bad about it is that nobody believes us. And with no physical evidence of their abduction, the alien story remains a mystery. Parker stayed quiet about the event for decades, but after Hickson's death in 2011, he wrote a 2018 book on the matter. Its publication prompted others to come forward claiming that they, too, had seen a UFO that night. And legless lobster people. 
and it makes me feel pretty good that I'm not the only one who saw something. He said, most of these people are credible people. <laughs> right. Right. Most of these people are credible people. Like two randos on a fishing boat in Pascagoula. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? I, I hope did you did. I did enjoy that. I feel like I just talked nonsensically for an hour. Have you listened to our podcast? It's That's basically what we do here. Well. Not nonsensically. You told things. You said things. Words were, were said. That were sensical. Yes. That's not a word probably, but I made it up. Deal with it. <laughs> All right. Well, would you like to add anything? Couldn't add anything if I tried. Take away anything? Do you want to talk about, do you want to hear about the time I saw aliens? Yeah. I I didn't have a time. I just made it up. Sorry. You had me on the edge of my seat. I know, right? No, so far I haven't seen anything. Okay. And seeing is believing. Well, I believe in aliens. But if you guys. I want to believe. I also believe in aliens. I just don't necessarily believe in little gray aliens that have crashed here you know (laughs) but if you guys have like alien encounter stories and you want to email them at our aforementioned email our odd email at gmail.com yeah do it send it we'll talk about it uh you can check out our patreon we have things there (laughs) mini sodes and like little excerpts and things like that actually i want to do a mini sode on People storming Area 51. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, I'm surprised it didn't come up. I wanted it to come up, but um, it was a whole thing. Yeah. So I think I'm going to do okay. a mini episode on it. Sounds good to me. We're overdue for a mini-sode anyway. Anyway, that's patreon.com slash our odd Patreon. And if you have nothing else. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. As always, we, we are, are the, the Boneses, Boneses and, and we, we are out. out.